I want to ask you a question. Have you ever gotten the feeling that our world has gone mad? Oh, I... <laughs> that maybe it's just a little crazy out there. Of course, I'm not talking about myself, even though some of you know me pretty well and know I'm maybe a little crazy myself. But that the world has gone mad. The world is crazy out there. I mean, people are so divided. Hate is so alive right now. And it's hard to find goodwill out there, isn't it? And it seems like everybody's just crazy. And I'm thankful in thinking of a phrase that Mother Teresa said, and I think it kind of sums up maybe what's happened. She said something very poignant. She said this. She said, we have forgotten that we belong to each other. And I want you to think about that phrase for just a moment. We have forgotten that we actually belong to each other because we're so divided right now that it's either them and it's us and us and them and everybody's just kind of at odds with each other, aren't we? We have forgotten that we belong to each other. And so in my life right now, I'm looking for some sanity. I'm looking for some non-crazy, non-maddening advice, some truth. Aren't you? And there's a story about some men who go into the room of an asylum. And the man inside of this room who was incarcerated for years had died. So they go into his room and they take his body out and they notice on the wall is something's written there. And of course they've got plans to come in there and to paint the room and to paint over whatever this man has scratched and written on the walls of this asylum probably crazy, right? But this is what he wrote. Could we with ink the oceans fill and were the skies a parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry nor could the scroll contain the whole through stretched from sky to sky. The love of God. On that wall was this lyric, was this phrase describing the immeasurable love of God. And eventually those words made it to a songwriter who was trying to find a verse And he incorporated into that song, in your songbook, 646, the song, The Love of God. It was written on the wall of an asylum. 
But I think it may be the most sane thing I've read today. That the love of God, could we with ink the oceans fill and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. If you were to drain the ocean and it was ink and you were to write the love of God on the sky above, it could not contain the immensity, the immeasurableness of how He loves you and I. And what is insanity? Of course, you've probably heard that one definition of insanity that we say all the time. The definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and to expect a different outcome. Have you heard that? I don't know if that's the definition of insanity. But I do know the definition of insanity is to deny the truth, the reality that we live in. And here is the reality that we live in. This is the reality of who God is. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is truth. That there is nothing, no thing, no person, no power that can separate you from the love of God. But the sad thing is, is that you can live in denial of that love. You can't change it. Nothing that you can do or say right now can change how God feels about you and what God desires for your life. But you can live in denial of that truth. Can't you? And it seems to me what we have in our world is people who are living in denial of the love of God. That when you boil down everything that you see and hear on television, when you see the division, when you see the hate, what we're actually seeing are people that are in denial of this love. That's what they're doing. Have you ever been denied for anything? My wife just left. I've been denied a few dates. <laughs> I've been denied maybe a few loans. I'm thankful for that now. But denial. But my denial doesn't change the truth of who God is, does it? And what we see in our world are people living in denial of God's love. And what I want you to understand is I don't want you to live in denial of God's love. God's love, His creative, unadulterated, pure love for you and me. That He desires your very best. That He desires your life to be in accordance to His will. 
His love and His will are eternally bound in His essence. That's why it says that God is love. That everything, His goodness is rooted in His love. We have to distinguish, though, that it doesn't say love is God. It doesn't say that. It says God is love. From His very essence, from His person, flows love. And it's because of that love you matter. And the person sitting next to you matters. But it doesn't say love is God. If we make love to be God, then what we've created is an idol. Nothing comes before God. God is the locus, the originator, the generator, the progenitor of all that's good. And that includes love. And if you know love, then you begin to know who God is. When Jesus was asked about the law, you remember, there were so many laws to talk about in the Old Testament. So many commandments. What are the most important commandments? He had 613 commandments to choose from. He said this, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This is the first commandment. It is that rooted in God's love, rooted in obedience, that if I love God, the way that I express my love for God, for Him being God, is to obey Him. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. That's the way my life interacts with Him, is through His will. It says in Deuteronomy 10, 13, and keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you today, For your good. You see, what God has written in this book, what God has given us in His Word, is actually for your good and for my good. Sometimes we argue with it. Sometimes we don't think it's true, but it is true that whatever's written here for us to obey is actually a part of His love. It's a part of His goodness. And if I order my life according to the shape of Scripture, then my life receives a blessing because of it. Acceptance of that love. I need to accept His will, His goodness, His love for my life. And when I begin to deny it, when I begin to deny His will, then I begin to deny what? His love. Second commandment, Everybody's okay with God, right? Everybody's all right with God. But then he says this. Second's likened to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. With no qualifications as to who that is. Because who's your neighbor? It's every person. Because every neighbor is the object of of God's love. And it also begins with you as a part of that paradigm because what's implicit in that commandment is is that guess who else you're supposed to love? Yourself. Why? Because God loves you. And the reason why you need to take care of yourself, the reason why you need to live a healthy life 
The reason why you need to order your life is because you recognize you're not in denial. You're saying, I accept your love, God. I accept it. I accept who you are. I accept that love and not deny it. Don't deny the love of God. And we can't deny the love of God to those who are different from us. It says that we're to love our neighbor. And what that means is when you love someone, that means it's proactive. Just like the golden rule. A lot of us are always talking about what we don't do. I don't hurt anybody. But when Jesus talked about that golden rule, He said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It was a proactive commandment. That we're supposed to be doing something for others. So where does the neighbor begin? Who's the first neighbor? It's probably the person sitting next to you, right? It may begin in your home. First neighbor in my life right now is my wife. She's a pretty close neighbor. So my love needs to begin where I am, right? I can't love someone across the globe. i got to love the people that are next to me. And that's what God has called each of us to do, to love the people who are around you. It's like people go around saying, I love everybody. And then you're like, well, where are these people? I need to find them. Can I become one? But loving someone begins where you are. So that means loving your neighbor means loving your wife. Loving your children. Loving your church. And Jesus even says, hey... That guy that's close to you at work, or that guy, that girl that's close to you at school, who you don't like, that doesn't like you, that person who's hurt you, that enemy, Jesus says, that's your neighbor. Love your enemies, Jesus says in Matthew 5 44. So if we deny the love of God, if we deny the love for our neighbor, we're denying the love of God for our neighbor, aren't we? And then what do we make ourselves, in essence, greater than God? If you don't love your wife like you should, or if you don't love your children, if you don't love your fellow worker that you don't like so much, then you make yourself out to be a higher court than God Himself. Because guess what? God loves them. God loves the person that's locked up in the prison right now. That's why He says go visit them. God loves the hungry. God loves whoever. God loves every person. And that means I need to love them too. Which means I desire their very best. I desire for them to know God and His will. John said it like this, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he say he loves God whom he has not seen? How can you go around saying that you love God when you hate his children? You can't. Made in the very image of God. And yes, I know that these people have problems. Because I've got them. 
And they're difficult to love. But God loves them. Victor Frankl, a gentleman, psychiatrist who lived in a concentration camp who was faced with existential danger and saw people laying down and giving up on life and dying, said this. He was transfixed when he figured it out. He says, the truth that love is the ultimate and highest goal to which man can aspire. The salvation of man is through love and in love. It's love. And where can you find a greater description of love than Jesus Himself? Where can you find a greater description than that than of the cross of Jesus? You can't find any greater place of Jesus' love. And when you finally begin to experience the love of God in your life, it begins to transform who you are. When you understand God's love, it transforms everything and everybody in your midst. Remember, when you fell in love? Remember when you fell in love? Been a few days? Remember that feeling? And all of a sudden, every moment got transformed into something meaningful, didn't it? All of a sudden, people knew you were in love because you couldn't wipe that smile off your face. Right? Because love began to transform everything in your life. And in the same way, when we finally get who God is, when we finally acknowledge His love, it begins to change who we are and how we see the world. We can't deny that love. John also said there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. There's a lot of fearful people in this world, aren't there? We've got to begin to love again. Denying God's love. Remember our friend Peter. Peter, the outspoken apostle who was the first to make many gaffes in his life. Peter was told by Jesus Himself, hey, tonight, you're going to deny me. What did Peter say? (laughs) Jesus, not this guy. Man, I've got faith. I've seen what you can do. Man, you just raised Lazarus from the grave. How could I deny you? Why would I deny you? Of course, Peter in that night was questioned three times. Had three chances to get it right. Three chances to affirm that he was a disciple of Jesus. Three chances to say something good about Jesus who was on trial. To stand up for his friend. who that guy is. And then it went even worse. It says that he cursed Jesus. His best friend. The same Jesus who healed his mother-in-law. The same Jesus who pulled him out of the waters when he was sinking. 
The same Jesus, he cursed three times. He denied him. And Jesus was raised from the dead. Peter was out fishing. Jesus had a conversation with him and he was going to restore Peter. Peter came to the Lord crying after he had denied the Lord three times. And what was the question that Jesus had for him? What was the question? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? See, not only did Jesus, not only did Peter deny Jesus, he denied his love. And that's what we do in this life when we reject the will of God, when we reject each other, when we live in hate, we begin to reject and deny who God is. And let me tell you something. That's the craziest thing you can do. What was written in that asylum, they later found out was a poem that was written a thousand years before by a rabbi. But he said this, Could we with ink the oceans fill? And were the skies a parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That is the love of God. And to be a Christian is to accept that love from God for yourself and for others. Russian writer Fyodor Dostoevsky said this, What is hell? I maintain that it is the suffering of being unable to love. If we deny our humanity, if we deny the love of God, it's a self-imposed hell, isn't it? Begin with the love of God. The place to begin to see it is in the person of Jesus Christ who came to this earth in sacrificial giving, who stood up for those who were hurting, who was generous with those who were without, who gave life to those who were dead, who healed those who were lame, who brought us the truth of who God is. God is a God of love. And He loves you. He wants you to be in His presence in heaven, and He wants you to be in His presence right now. And the craziest thing you can do is to live in denial of that. And the craziest thing this world does is live in the real love of who God is. This week, live in such a way that gives honor to His love by the way that you treat those around you and the way that you talk to others around you. The Bible says being a Christian begins in faith. We begin to see who Christ is for what He did for us. That He loved us. And it begins to transform what we are and who we are. We see our lives and we see the sin that's within it. And we say, 
I don't want to reject your love anymore. I want your will in my life because I understand it's for my good. It's, under, it's understanding that your will is for my betterment. Confess Christ to be the Son of God. Be baptized into His body, the church. Or maybe you're a Christian this morning and you've been denying that love for yourself. Maybe in the way that you treat yourself. Maybe in the way that you treat someone else. Accept His love today. If you have any need today, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.